1: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, Nebraska continues their streak with commitments over the weekend. We will talk quite a bit about Ashley Williams. Defensive end from Louisiana. Get a couple of different perspectives. Also thoughts from Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride. Mr. Blackshirt in one hour in hour two. Jay Moore. Uh, defensive end grade for Nebraska NFLer. We'll talk to Jay Bird about uh, Mr. Williams. And Erin Sorensen will join us. Get her thoughts on Nebraska's uh, work on the recruiting trail. And her sit down with Casey Thompson. Numbers to get in can join us today on Hale Varsity Radio. 466-3776, 3776 825 five, eight, six, five. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt. That's me. And at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal can email the show. Chris at dot com. Uh, more on the secret and stealth moves by USC and UCLA. Well detailed by ESPN. Dot com. And, uh, Twitter has been quite marvelous the last 24 to 48 hours with a certain quarterback from New York. It has been hilarity, unless you're involved in all of that. <laughs> it's been funny to see the t shirts, the, sponsor, the uh, responses uh, towards one Zach Wilson. You're great at Elijah. The
2: legend of Zach Wilson. Legend, we'll just, you
1: know, <laughs> someone's going to show up to uh, to a Jets game this fall. And in, instead of uh, Wilson on the back of the quarterback jersey, it's just going to say Finch. It's just going to say Finch. You get where I'm going? Mm-hmm. American pine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. It's just going to say Finch. That's the new code. That's the new nickname. The Finch. We'll call him the Finch quarterbacks on our mind we'll start there with Nebraska football and man this is interesting because you know you have a lot of preseason thoughts out there right you look at position breakdowns you look at depth charts and you try and and figure out okay let's figure out where things are at for Nebraska at the quarterback spot specifically and what do you believe right now? What did you believe going in? What do you believe now as fall camp has yet to start? I think it's July 27th, about a month before things happen in Dublin. But, you know, as, as we look at Nebraska here and preview the quarterback spot a little bit, I, I think this, and there's thoughts and speculation out there that the job is not won. The job is not given. It's earned, right? You want a good football team? You don't just hand the job over. And I go back in Husker history for just a moment. And I think of the, the perception and reputation and the hearts and minds angle. What's, what's the PR part of this? And the PR part of things back in 2007, Sam Keller v. Joe Gantz. Okay? Remember that very well. I remember thinking a lot of Joe Gans still do I remember Joe Gans his senior season at Nebraska and saying damn if Joe Gans would have been the quarterback in 09 to go with that defense could have been beyond one second left against Texas right could have been beyond four uh, four losses you could have you could have a special special, second season. You had a good season, really good season for for Nebraska in 2009. But man, if you would have had Joey Gans quarterback in in 09, things would have been different. Well, you you had this giant splash transfer of of Sam Keller. Guy lit it up at Arizona State, pro style passer. He's going to come in and run this Callahan offense beautifully. We know what happened in 07. Sam Keller got hurt against Texas. Nebraska went five and seven. Sam Keller didn't have his best game against USC, and if you if you pull the teammates aside now, uh, and even not long after that '07 season, they're like, dude, the, the team wanted to play for Joey Gans. They he'd all, he'd earned their respect. They loved his ability. It's not that Sam wasn't a good player. Sam was a I mean a Division One quarterback that. Had he focused more, he, he probably could have gotten more of a sniff in the NFL. He He's a prototypical pro-style quarterback. But you, it just kind of goes to show you go with at least it, it sounds like in, in Nebraska's case in 07, they went with the quarterback that was more of the splash, right, versus, okay, um, Joe Ganz is a two-and-a-half star that was recruited out of – out uh, of Chicago by Kevin Cosgrove. Kid was a hell of a good ball player. Sam Keller's this four-star stud that the rest of the world wanted at quarterback, and uh, you could argue that that Joe Gibbs uh, he had the much better career. Uh, what's the situation look like right, there, right now? Well, you got Casey Thompson that that has performed. He's performed in a major conference. And led the Big 12 in touchdown passes. He's also got a, a thumb that's getting better or, you know, close to, to full strength right now, depending on who you ask. And is Thompson the guy? That's the question right now as we get into this fall camp discussion and the quarterback battle. I don't believe the job's been given. You've, you've had a comment by Whipple early on in spring camp that, listen, Casey's taking all, all the snaps. I mean, you don't not go get Casey Thompson and give him every chance to win the job. Or he should have every chance to win the job. In the same vein, I don't think Nebraska, despite their desperation this season for wins, uh, a better production on field, a new offense, they're not just going to make an empty promise and, and here's the job. Here's your, uh, here's your job is to go throw touchdowns and be a leader without earning that and without earning the respect of teammates. I believe this. I believe Logan Smothers has a ton of respect from his teammates. That locker room loves Logan Smothers because he's not left. He's not quit. He's not transferred. He just shuts up and grinds. Does that translate to be the guy you want throwing the football on third and seven? Don't know. But as far as respect in that locker room, Logan Smothers is probably one of the most popular guys. I think Chubba Pretty uh, is a guy that nobody saw a ton of because he practiced like three times during the spring. But as they continue summer workouts, uh, he's healthy. His foot's better. The guy can throw the pill. He's really talented. Nebraska has good options at quarterback. And when we ask the question here who's in the driver's seat is it Casey Thompson probably but we don't know we've not been at summer workouts fall camp hasn't started but you got to you got to have a pecking order elijah to go into fall camp to determine your starter and don't confuse popularity contest with the guy that gives you the best chance to win there's been a few quarterbacks one of the greatest ever that were not the most popular but man he was the catalyst to a lot of wins. Tommy Frazier was not the most well-liked or popular guy on the team, but you put those feelings aside because the guy could just flat-out ball and was the difference-maker for you in the offense. Uh, we'll see how things shake out. I know this. I trust uh, Coach Whipple, based on his history with quarterback choices and development, to um, to, to pick the right one.
2: But you got to remember that not a single one of these quarterbacks has played in a Mark Whipple system. So while Casey Thompson might have put up the best numbers while he was at Texas, while Logan Smothers did well in the the first three quarters really against Iowa before things started falling apart uh, and and Chubba had uh, some some good series really at Florida State. You got to remember... All these guys are new to this it's system. All, it's all even. Nobody's starting ahead of anywhere else. Now, behind closed doors, I think if you're the coaching staff, you probably got to treat it as though uh, Casey is your starter until somebody proves otherwise. But that's, that's not what you go to the practice field preaching. That's not what you go to the media mm-hmm. preaching. You, you preach as this is an open competition because nobody has run this offense, so therefore we don't know who the best guy to run this offense is going to be.
1: Well, and with Frost's future riding on Casey Thompson or Chubba Purdy or Logan Smothers, you can bet your you-know-what that Nebraska and Scott Frost and, and Whipple are going to go with the guy that gives them the best chance to win, period. So if for some reason Chaba has a great close to fall camp, then there you go. They'll name him starter. Casey Thompson does what he's been brought in to do. There you have it. He's going to be your starter. Logan Smothers, I think, has got to make – uh, leaps and bounds as a passer, but he continues to work on it. He's still an option for you that guys want to play for and trust. It's he's just a different style of quarterback than than what Whipple would probably normally go after. But you have you have some options. You have absolute talent to go with at the skill position, and when push comes to shove, it is going to be about the offensive line and what type of balance you get in the run game because you know you had a a thousand yard rusher behind Thompson that made things really uh, tough to defend at Texas you know 45 points quite a few times uh, is is what Casey Thompson directed that Longhorn offense towards now defense gave up 51 and it wasn't a good thing so I you know the quarterback race is going to be open to me uh, until it's until it's not, but if guys do their job, it should be Casey Thompson's job. It should be his win. He should be your guy under center uh, going into Ireland. That's not to count out pretty, because pretty does, just because he has four years doesn't mean he wants to wait. Uh, he is going to push. Now, if he doesn't win the job, uh, that's one thing. If he thinks he won the job and isn't name starter, that's a whole Another can of worms. And I know there was an on three story that uh, I think Sip wrote that, that had a sit down with Gabe Irvin and Chubba pretty. And there was a a quote in that story about, well, I hope it's a fair competition. I, I, I do too. And it goes back to the Joe Gann, Sam Keller. Well, I uh, even go back discussion sooner
2: point sooner to, to rumblings that was that I heard about Noah Vedral and Adrian Martinez that last year Noah Vedral was on campus where he Noah Vedral came in and played really really well when Adrian went down hurt for a couple games at the end of that season and there were rumblings that that at times in practice Noah Vedrill was outplaying Adrian Martinez and uh then Noah Vedral didn't think he got a fair shake at it and went over to Rutgers and he's done really well at Rutgers <laughs> but that's the the same thing those are those are rumblings I can't substantiate those stories mm-hmm. but th- these are the types of things you hear where you go um, was that always the case where the, the best guy was winning the job? With, with- is it
1: axe to grind or is it true that
2: there it is? There right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: Damn it! I, everybody thinks they should be playing. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to play, but you, uh, you you have people hired that are really good at football that make those decisions. The other key thing too, guys want to want to win, and they'll they'll back they may have a favorite but they're going to back who gives them the best chance to win and you're at that point right now with some of your upperclassmen on both sides of the football that they are sick and tired of being well below 500 they're sick and tired of losing to most of the west they're sick and tired of being home for the holidays so they'll they'll get in line and back whoever is named starter. There's a lot of moving parts and pieces with this Husker offense. Not only the quarterback competition, but you need to to declare that so you have some sort of streamlined setup with your ones, twos and threes in the receiving and the running back room and then of course get your your starting five figured out on the offensive line and then your your key backups and contributors. But chemistry you can't discount. Well, they want to win, and they'll they'll back whoever's the best, whoever's name starter. You hope is on the same page with who the guys on the team think should be playing quarterback. That's big. I mean, that's really big. That all right? Uh, my O line really likes Chaba Pretty and Casey Thompson's the the quarterback. Uh, what gives the offensive line? Are they going to do their job if if their guy doesn't get named? And I that's real in foot. That's real in pro football. That's real in college football. That's real in high school. I was just going to add to that. Like you have some of the best quarterbacks that have ever done it in the NFL,
2: Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those types of guys who are still buying their offensive linemen gifts every single year and their wide receivers gifts every single year. Um, Because it's, it's deeper than just being the, the best guy on the field. The, the best guy to go out there and sling it. That's that's not what the quarterback position is all about. There's the leadership aspect. How well do you command a huddle? How well do those guys want to play for you? That's all an aspect of the quarterback position, which is a, a little bit unique in the game of football. That 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 matters more to the quarterback position than really any other position. Will, will the guys on your offense fight for you because I won't say you've done these things for them, but they, they trust you back there.
1: That's fair, very fair. Let's talk Ashley Williams uh, out of Louisiana. Uh, Nebraska continuing to prove they can recruit SEC country. We'll spend some time with Aaron Sorensen on that. Also, uh, Jay Moore will weigh in. But Nebraska able to get another commit yesterday from Zachary, Louisiana. That's Ashley Williams, part of that edge rusher position, 6'6", Another get for Mickey Joseph. And a uh, the number eight prospect in the state. Got a whole list of Cajuns that are coming to Nebraska and some some observations here with his highlights he is pretty dynamic very athletic great body wonderful frame and quite quite honestly he just overmatches who he's playing against that isn't his fault they won a state championship in 5a 89 tackles 22 for a loss 14 sacks really good motor good instincts uh, a great get for Nebraska and uh, another edge to pair with Maverick Noonan. Nebraska still in the hunt for more on the defensive side. Lenhart Hart uh, is still on the radar from IMG. We'll talk more recruiting with Aaron Sorensen next on Hale Varsity.
3: Storm Chasers fans, suit up. My spidey senses are tingling. July 22nd is Marvel Night. While the ballplayers are wearing Black Panther jerseys, you too can be repping your favorite Avenger. My all-time favorite is Iron Man. Outside of the fact that he's downright awesome, his wit and sarcastic nature is similar to mine. So essentially, I am Iron Man. Thor will also make an appearance that night. When you say hi to him, make sure to say, Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? He loves that. Come be a superhero and watch the Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs. Get your tickets
1: now.
0: And now. And
3: now, back to Hale Varsity
0: Radio.
1: Back into it, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Welcome in Aaron Sorensen with Hale Varsity at Aaron Sorensen on Twitter. Aaron, how was the weekend?
4: It was good, although, you know, uh, we haven't gotten through a weekend without a commitment in a while, so I'm, good, I'm just starting to get used to this, I
1: guess. It's uh, been a great run for Nebraska with uh, the recruiting trail, Mickey Joseph, Bill Bush, Coach uh, Applewhite, uh, and then, you know what? They're, uh, they're finding some rhythm with uh, with some of their, their old stomping grounds. We'll get to their commit in a moment. I want to first, though, talk quarterbacks with you and uh, you had a chance to get caught up with Casey Thompson. How was that?
4: It was good. It was nice to – we've only really gotten to talk to him a very limited amount since he arrived at Nebraska, and um, getting to talk to him in a bit of a different environment away from, you know, the lights and the podiums and the cameras and everything else, um, you always do get a little bit of a different perspective on people when you can get them out of that environment. Mm -hmm. And – so, you know, it was nice to talk to him about, you know, finding his routine at Nebraska. Um, he's a very regimented person. He, we know this about him. He has told us many times. Uh, he lives and breathes the playbook, loves to study film, but that's not really it for him. He does have interest that when he has free time, he likes to go try different restaurants in whatever town he might be in at that moment, uh, has a running list for Lincoln and Omaha right now, had one for Austin that he never got through. Um, But there's so much uh, more about him that he, you know, the dreams he has, uh, his connection with his family, and some of those conversations are actually going to come in a story on Hale Varsity here soon. So for anyone looking for more from Casey Thompson, we will have more coming on our website.
1: Erin Zornson uh, with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, her sit-down with Casey Thompson. Uh, Yeah, the guy's a foodie, and that's the (laughs) quickest way to your offensive lineman's heart, isn't it, Uh, to go make sure they can get some – some, uh, some well, some wonderfully uh, grilled steak and chicken and whatever else those big guys eat.
4: Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the first things we found out this spring is he took the whole group to Rodizio Grill, and, I mean, uh, it was on him. He was letting – he was treating the offensive line. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to establish relationships, there's no better way to somebody's <laughs> heart than through – you know, but than by food. So he he definitely – He definitely won some people over, I think, by doing that. Um, But, yeah, even aside from that, he's just a foodie himself. He loves to try new – likes to try new things. He takes suggestions quite a bit on his Instagram. You'll see every so often he puts a call out for new suggestions. Heck, I even gave him one when we were uh, talking because I was like, it hasn't been said to you yet, you need to try it out. But he just creates these running lists, and he figures, you know, I'll get to as many as I can, and if I can't get to them all now, hopefully I'll be back and I'll just keep going. (laughs) So um, at some point he needs to put like a uh, he needs to share the list with everyone because then he could like have a recommendation in all of these different towns you might visit.
1: That's the way to put it down for uh, for folks coming to their first Husker game or coming back to Lincoln for, uh, for a for for a ball game for the first time in a while. Aaron, what's your take on this quarterback race? Uh, a lot is out there. It's the off season uh, kickoff gets going here and. Less than 50 days, but it's talking season. So what do you believe with this quarterback race uh, summer going into, of course, fall camp? Is it Casey's job to lose, or do you even think it's there's a leader right now because they haven't started fall camp? I think
4: it would be fair to say it's his job to lose in the sense that I don't think you bring him to Lincoln without the intention of him ultimately becoming that Starter, mm-hmm. but with that said, I don't know if I would say it's his yet. And I, I've been talking with people about Big Ten Media Days. I don't expect Nebraska to send a quarterback. I don't think they're at a point that they will feel comfortable having that person named by that point. They're going to want to go into fall camp. Obviously, we know uh, Casey was battling through some things with his thumb. Doesn't sound like that's going to be a huge concern, but you still want to get into fall camp. Obviously. Chuba has had some injury things that he's working back from. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you, like you said, it's talking season. People tell you, oh, everything's great. Well, fall camp will, you know, flush that out a bit. We'll find out like exactly what's going on. Um, but, you know, even beyond that, I think, you know, we've heard good things about Logan. And Logan he has been a part of this team. So I, I think, if nothing else, competition breeds success. And they'll all push each other to be better. But I do think – I do think that the job is still Casey's to lose, even if the job has not been directly named his yet. I, I don't know if that makes sense to people, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I just I don't think you bring him here if you don't intend on him having a really, really good shot at that role. But it's, it's not like he's getting declared the starter mm-hmm. first day of fall camp.
2: Aaron Sorensen's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Aaron, based on... Frost and his staff's history do you think this could be something where they're going to keep their cards close to their chest as we approach Dublin or do you think on the other side of things that they could announce this as soon as they know who the starter is going to be we're going to know who it's going to be but with all the questions surrounding the offense it it could be possible that they they try to leave Northwestern with some some questions going into their game prep
4: yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is that the team knows who the starter is. If they come to a point where they feel confident in who it is, like, and they don't want to say that out loud yet because they want to throw Northwestern off a little bit and make them have to prepare for multiple quarterbacks, you know, I don't think that's a terrible idea, especially when you're talking about quarterbacks outside of Logan that really have no film for – any, you know, for Northwestern to study about Nebraska. So, you know, I think you can't wait too long because of the, you have to start building those relationships with the team. You want your quarterback to feel comfortable with the center, getting comfortable with the, you know, the receivers, getting just a groove going with everybody. But just because maybe they know doesn't mean they necessarily need to tell us. So I wouldn't be completely shocked if we don't get a – final answer until week of. But even then, we don't get the depth chart. Like on Mondays, they don't hand them out to us. So, I mean, you could hypothetically take it up to game day, but I think we'll know at least before game day. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even make us wait a long time for the official word because, hey, it is an opportunity when you're going into an unknown like Ireland to make the other team have to work just a little bit harder.
1: Aaron Sorensen with us. Aaron, let's talk recruiting Ashley Williams committing out of Louisiana, 6'6", freak athlete, and has a frame to put some weight on. What do you think about this get for the Nebraska defense?
4: I mean, the great news is is from everything I was originally told, he wasn't planning on making a decision or committing for, I think, like another month now. So the fact that that timeline got pushed up and – he wanted to commit to Nebraska. That seems to have been a trend recently. We've heard that a few times where people were maybe gonna wait till August, September, September or into their senior seasons to make that commitment and have pushed their timelines forward. So that's not a bad deal. He hold, he held and still holds a number of offers like Auburn, Colorado, Florida State. He was highly coveted. Um, he, you know, Nebraska finally just added edge to its, uh, roster on the website. So he fits the edge description. (laughs) Um, but you know, it's just another example of what Mickey Joseph has been doing. I know it's not Mickey's position group, but Louisiana is Mickey's area of expertise. And Mickey Joseph has really been stellar through this 2023 recruiting class so far. And this is just another example of it, another feather in the cap, if you will. And, uh, Ashley Williams, if you if anyone goes and watch his his huddle highlights, he's an impressive player. It's it's gonna be, you know, as if, if all things stay true and he stays committed to Nebraska, he comes to Nebraska, his development will be fun to watch.
1: Let's talk Emmett Johnson. We love talking with Emmett on signing day and love talking with Coach Brown about him. That's when Ron was kind of the interim running backs coach and on the recruiting trail and he went up and uh, was able to to recruit Emmett Nebraska not only got a good back from big 10 territory but a uh, good weekend for Emmett named uh, the national high school football player of the year what do you uh, prognosticate with Emmett carrying the ball for Nebraska
4: I mean, he's been pretty clear. He did not come to Nebraska to just play on special teams, and he wants to see the field much sooner rather than later. Not that he won't play special teams. like right. That's the thing with this team. Everyone is willing to play. At least that's how their position coaches want them to operate. Um, but, I mean, he, he has a ton of talent. Um, I think his eagerness is probably one of the most like substantial things about him is he wants to be better he wants to he wants to learn he wants to grow from the time he visited nebraska for the spring game i mean he was already talking about wanting to get you know dive into the playbook understand things better improve himself as a player just by the time he arrived at nebraska in the summer so now that he gets to have that um now that he gets to be around the strength and conditioning that he means and every other thing that comes with being at nebraska I think if anyone can make a case for it, it, it certainly could be Emmett. He's, again, I go back to his eagerness. He is just like really, really eager to be better and wants to get on the field. And, you know, sometimes that like perspective that somebody has is like half the battle. Just wanting to show up and be great can go a long way as you're getting yourself ready to play.
2: And, and Aaron, I think we saw that last year with Gabe Irvin uh, where he was coming into fall camp and, and we heard a lot about how he was willing to, to come into practice every single day and learn and get better. And uh, we saw that he, he did see the field before that knee injury, but now Irvin has that knee injury and I think it leaves some questions in that running back room. It's such a full stable of guys, a lot of younger guys that want to get some playing time, some older guys, even a transfer and Anthony Grant. If you had to, to handicap this right now, who do you think the, the leader in the clubhouse is right now to trot out their, their first possession against Northwestern?
4: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I I I really like Yance. I feel like I'm really like on the like Yance gonna have a big year bandwagon right now. Um, That's to assume that they run the ball first and don't throw the football. Of course, (laughs) Um, right? (laughs) uh, I just made somebody mad by suggesting that. I know that somebody listening is upset with me over it, but. I don't know. I think Yance is another one where he's put in a ton of work in the offseason, has made just better choices for himself to get himself into better playing shape. I like what he. Ha- I like his potential. I think Gabe Irvin Jr. is another one. Honestly, you look at this group, and um, you know, I wrote about this a little bit in, in our recent recruiting notebook about you know they don't have a recruiter, uh, excuse me, a running back for this twenty twenty three recruiting class. And like I had this conversation on Twitter with some people. Because of the youth in this room and uncertainty, they don't necessarily need a a running back for this class because there's a lot of depth right now. But, you know, you never want to go to class without potentially having someone, especially with the attrition in college football anymore. But right now, heading into 2022, you have to feel pretty good with the potential in the room, even if we haven't seen it put into action yet.
1: Well, Aaron, I mean, with Whipple, I mean, they're just going to go five wide. They're not running the football at all, are they?
4: I know. That's the thing where I'm like, the run-the-ball the run the guy out there is very upset by He's that. He's nervous. I keep it, I'm like, unfortunately, they're throwing this football.
1: He is nervous. It is National Slurpee Day. When you went to 7-Eleven as a kid, what flavor did you get?
4: Ooh, um... I feel like Blue Raspberry probably yes, would have always been
1: choice. the one I'd go for. Yep, we're all kind of unanimous here, Blue Raspberry. <laughs> good call. Good call there. Erin Sorensen, find her on Twitter at Erin Sorensen. Read her with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Check out the Hale Varsity YouTube channel as Aaron and Brandon Vogel are doing great videos and uh, taking feedback and interaction with you. Aaron, thanks for the time today. Of course. Thanks for having me.
3: Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for educational outreach night presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's it's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in,
0: 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com.
1: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Aaron Sorensen. We're 20 minutes away from Mr. Blackshirt Charlie McBride. Get Coach McBride's take on Ashley Williams and some thoughts as fall camps around the quarter. Jay Moore also with us today. Numbers to dial up open phones for us uh, the next 20 minutes 466-3776800 825-5865. Couple of last thoughts with uh, recruiting and Williams. Uh, Elijah it's great to see Nebraska have guys on staff that are that are using their connections when we look at either Texas or Louisiana or the SEC footprint or familiar regions guys have coached in uh, in the area you see beckton do it all the time in the uh, the Georgia region or the the Florida panhandle so it it's a really nice quite honestly uh, recruiting setup for this staff bill bush has been everywhere and knows everybody so that's that's really key, and we've even seen Whipple do it when we look at the 2023 quarterback in Watson, that was a, a back east kid uh, in Watson. That you look at some of the names that were out there at quarterback. That was the guy that Whipple liked to run his offense, kind of a Kyler Murray body type. So um, time will tell if if these were the right picks and the development happens, but. That's the thing about Nebraska. The shift that needs to happen is not just getting high-profile recruits. Nebraska's done that. But keeping those high-profile recruits on campus and getting a chance to see what they can be in three years.
2: And, and adding to that, also the fact that you're keeping these recruiting hotbeds open. Because we saw, the first couple of years of, of Frost and Company here in Nebraska – we got to see what we thought was their hotbed in Florida. Uh, they made all these connections when they were at UCF. Uh, they were pulling kids out of there every single week, it felt like, during uh, recruiting cycles. And then guys started leaving. They realized, you know what, maybe the culture fit isn't right for going from Miami Beach to Lincoln, Nebraska. Guys started leaving. It felt like that, that recruiting hotbed was drying up. I mean, are there any kids from Florida in this recruiting class? I don't think so off the top of my head. So that that's the question in my mind is, Can these guys stick and stay at Nebraska? The the guys from Louisiana and Texas, as you said, can they stick and stay? Can they find the right fit at Nebraska? And if they can do that, can the coaches keep those those recruiting connections open down in Louisiana? I mean, we've heard so much about how well Mickey Joseph connects with guys down in Louisiana, but is that going to continue, say... Just hypothetically, or four or five years down the road, if he's still at Nebraska, are those connections going to remain? Despite the fact that he's not an hour drive away, he is now a five-hour flight away, or however long it takes you down to
1: Louisiana. I, I think the the good you're going to have strength in numbers, right? You're going to have so many Louisiana kids up here. Mickey's brought a lot of kids to either transfer in or he's recruiting kids from from Louisiana. So. You'll have, uh, for lack of a better term, a taste of home Mm -hmm. up here, not only with Mickey, but with the other kids they're bringing from the region, from a Georgia, from a Louisiana, from a Florida, and uh, from a Texas. So that'll make it maybe a little more difficult to to decide to bolt. Plus, there's no pandemic. There's no shutdown. You're able to be with friends and teammates and go be out uh, versus that pandemic that hit into going into year three. Let's talk a little bit here about ESPN.com's article on expansion and inside the stunning USC-UCLA move to the Big Ten, the chaos that followed. This is still pretty interesting, and this was two weeks ago. You want to talk about keeping a secret. You had uh, a, a gathering of pretty powerful people, In the college sports world, gathered at Mandalay Bay and Resort in Vegas, the National Association of Collegiate Directors and Athletics Convention was ongoing. And then you fast forward, hey, we're moving. (laughs) She had Mike Bone uh, accepting an award. You had Commissioner Sankey there. You had Jim Phillips there of the ACC. Uh, You had a number of high-profile athletic directors there. And you had Kevin Warren talking with the good folks at ESPN.com, Adam Rittenberg, a friend. And at the time, the question was, all right, dude, when's your media rights deal going to get done? What's shaking? What's happening? This was May 2nd. And Warren's like, yeah, it's going to be important uh, 30 days uh, before we get things hammered out. Well, you know, this backstory goes After Texas and OU jumped to the SEC, you had a year and a deadline to hit if you're USC and UCLA for an exit strategy. If you're USC and UCLA, you've been staring at $30 million a year you bring in as the the population center and the old guard brand of UCLA and USC, but the football brand of the league, along with Oregon, as USC. And you're staring at the ledger and you're like, huh, we're making $30 million a year because the Pac 12's been garbage when it comes to TV negotiations. Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Northwestern's actually won. Rutgers, I mean, name some just brutal programs that are getting free gravy they're making fifty, sixty, sixty-five million 65 million a year just for being in the big 10 or the sec meanwhile you're bleeping usc or ucla and and, and you're 50 million shy of some quite frankly hack football programs <laughs> nebraska's 3 and 9 they're still pulling in 58 million a year what the hell's going on you had to put pencil to uh, pen and pencil to paper and just say it's time time to get out, and we got to get in before the Big Ten. Will the Big Ten hold up their TV negotiations for us? Absolutely they will, because we're going to add value to it financially, and uh, they'll get a bigger payday theoretically because of it. And it was all about this when the phone call was made. We bring you brand power. We bring you a major market. And uh, for those of you who drink wine with your pinky in the air, We bring the academic structure and stature as well. It's a hat trick. Why not take us? So it was a behind-the-scenes, cloak-and-dagger type report. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to
2: tell us a lot when this next TV rights deal is announced. Uh, I guess because I believe there was Kevin Warren out there saying they they wanted to get some things hammered out on this next TV rights deal before Memorial Day of this year, and then Mm -hmm. you didn't hear anything about it, and then, oh, that's because USC and UCLA are joining the party. You can't hammer out anything in a media rights deal if that's not uh, official yet. So I'm going to wonder here if if there's any more news on, on getting closer to that deal actually getting finalized, whether or not that means the Big Ten is looking for uh, expansion in the near future and the long-term future. Because if you're going out there and, and announcing a media rights deal, say, in August, what, what the next one's going to look like, that means Notre Dame's probably not going to be coming to the party anytime soon, right? But, well, but on the other hand, if that if they keep on pushing that off, announcing what that next TV rights deal looks like, I think it means there's more movement coming, right?
1: Well, you would think. You're waiting on Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and Notre Dame's waiting on somebody to, to get poached from the ACC, because their deal goes through 2020 uh, make that 2036. Yes. So you don't you can't be the first one to make the move and not pay the penalty if you're Notre Dame. But if Clemson and Florida State and Miami start moving if there's a renegotiation or restructuring of the uh, the ACC ESPN contract then that's that's the out. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. Charlie McBride in about 10 minutes. We'll spend time with Jay Moore. Get his take on Ashley Williams, defensive and also Coach McBride's thoughts. And it's a special setup in Ireland for Nebraska, week zero. Yet again, we'll talk with Coach McBride. Nebraska had similar situations, not obviously going across the pond, but Nebraska under uh, in Coach McBride's time in Lincoln, they had a, a handful of kickoff classic games where they'd play in East Rutherford, old Giants Stadium, and or, or Tokyo, one more time. They played in Tokyo as well. I yeah, they did, did Tokyo, the Coca Cola Bowl, <laughs> the good old days when Coke was on. Uh, on tap at Memorial Stadium. Those plastic cups were glorious. But you had a you had West Virginia, you had Penn State as the opener to the football season mm-hmm. for Nebraska. And uh, that, that was a little added than extra pressure. We'll get his take on that pressure and the pressure that exists this season reminder to get buckled up game preparation and repetition predict success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances. If a crash should happen, remember to always buckle up a message from the Nebraska department of highway safety office. So you are doing a little vacay end of the week.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: You're excited. You and pops going uh, going out to Denver. Going out to Denver.
2: We're gonna go catch the uh, the drag races at Bandimere NHRA. Is coming nice. to, I'm Not sure if you've ever seen those, but there. I they're remember
1: seeing incredible. them on ESPN big oh. old funny car. Yeah. Right?
2: Nah. It doesn't even compare to being there in person. I'm I'm sure. The, they're the the how fast they go and how they, they loud go, they
1: are. They go what? Three, two hundred, three hundred miles per hour. Over three
2: hundred miles an hour, go a quarter mile in under five seconds. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. And like the power that they put on display the G forces that are on like I encourage you to every there's like some fast facts about top field dragsters online you can go look up. They're pretty incredible.
1: You ever uh get in the cockpit of one of those? No. no.
2: I wish that'd be awesome. All right. Well. But like one cylinder. On one of those cars makes as much horsepower as the front row of the Daytona 500. Like two two Daytona 500 cars are equivalent to one cylinder Jeez. in a drag racing car. It's it's unreal how much power these things have. Man,
1: well, we've been talking about speed and power quite a bit as Junior keeps lobbying for what type of vehicle he wants to get when he turns 16. And he uh, he he's not learning. His his pitch is going uh against the grain. The well this thing has got a you know a V eight in it. I can't do a V six, that's too slow. Dad, I can't drive your car because it's a four cylinder. Oh. And and dude, you're you're average at best right now when you're chauffeuring us around, you're a little herky jerky uh, as is as a as a teen driver. No. You're you're not getting a Hellcat. No. you're, you're <laughs> you're not getting something that's that's a v8 and that can as he says it holds ass well yeah i'm sure it does you're waiting on 47 speeding tickets and uber in the rest of your life we're going to get him something that's duct taped together and quite ugly and uh he'll have to uh to get a skateboard type start if he wants to to get any type of momentum and speed
2: see i turned 16 and then i got like a six month trial period on the family minivan I was like, so "You got a fan van." Yeah, prove you can drive this thing first, and then we'll, we'll cross that next bridge of getting you your own car. After that, and it's not going to be nice
1: if he uh, he doesn't play his cards right. He's going to be taking Mama to work at six a.m. and then taking the car to the uh, the old high school parking lot. She'll make him park seven miles away. I know she will. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. back into it at tower 2 Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself Charlie McBride with us on Monday with Charlie Coach how was the weekend how's the weather up there in Michigan Well,
5: it was fast. Too fast. <laughs> and days are going too fast. You know. <laughs> the weather's been good. We've had a little bit of rain, but it's good.
1: Well, you know what that means. I mean, I know you. Your uh, <laughs> your your body gets ticking a little quicker in July because old fall camp's just around the corner. Am I right?
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they're starting to write something. We got a newspaper. It's about two pages long, but I get we get a lot of the some of the news from out of the Detroit Lions and. Mm-hmm. And some of that, but as a, as a rule, they don't even do much about Michigan State or Michigan on either one of them. So, you know, I don't know that there's even an editor in sports working for them. But anyway, that's about it. That's that's my news. That's where I get that's where I get my local news from. And there's a lot about high school. They do a good job with that.
1: Well, that's really good. Well, Nebraska continues to stay hot on the recruiting front coach McBride they're able to get another uh, defensive end an edge rusher from Louisiana Kids about six foot five about 210 215 pounds uh, 89 tackles last year and uh, 22 tackles for a loss that includes uh, 14 sacks and man he's uh, he's, uh, he's another Mickey Joseph guy. And uh, it looks pretty promising, and I wanted to get your get your your thoughts here when we talk about guys off the edge, and I think of the the trevs, I think of Wistrom, I think of Dwayne Harris, I think of some of the greats you had and coach uh-huh. how do you determine if you want a guy to put his hand in the dirt or if you want him in a two point stance
5: Well, I think a lot of times that we, they've they 've done They've done it in high school at some point. Uh, although we've had kids that have been linebackers and that type of thing, at, you know, for the defensive line, especially. Uh, I think when when that uh, uh, kid committed from from down there in Louisiana, I I got this feeling that I kept thinking about Neil Smith, and um, you know, I. Jack Pierce recruited down there and he said he wanted me to look at this defensive end and so I looked at him and I kept looking at the tackle next to him and uh, they were both good players but the defensive tackle kind of interested me and then the defensive end got hurt and they moved him to the defensive defensive end from defensive tackle and I Thought, man, this guy's a scorpion. You know, I mean, he was all over the place, and so I got this feeling it's about the same size. I think when Neil showed up, he was 218 pounds, and everybody goes, "Oh, you know," they thought this guy's, you know, kind of small, but he 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 had great arm length and great speed. I mean, his speed was at the time a good four or five. Um, You know when we tagged him as a senior, I think for the in the pro day he ran a four-five or four-six real low four-sixes. But the idea that he played, he was he had something special. He really was good at rushing the passer. I mean, and uh, it was you know it was all over when he took off, and you could see he was he was actually in shock. um, Jack, Jack, when I told him, hey, I'm looking at the wrong guy. (laughs) <laughs> and and he, ran, he ran down there and brought him up here and i i don't know how many people were recruiting him mm-hmm. yeah I, I really don't he went to uh, uh city school mcdonough 35 down there in new orleans and uh but he turned out to be a great player i mean he turned out to be something special again he was a he was the first round draft choice by the kansas city chiefs and um so he proved it, and I remember at practice. The pros want to know if he could run, and we were running at the pursuit drill. And he ran from the offside end to the and made the tackle on the far sideline. And they saw him running <laughs> over there. And I asked them, "What do they think if he could run or not?" And they they were they were all laughing, thinking. You know, they were, they were, they actually. I think they were pulling my chain because they knew how fast they could run. You know, so, so, but Neil was a special guy. But that's that. He reminded me of that kind of a person.
1: Well, you you mentioned the length and the speed and the the anticipation. That's that's what the film kind of shows. And we're not trying to put unfair comparisons to to Ashley Williams is Neil Smith or Randy Gregory but just from a body type and that's the other thing Mm -hmm. is is with strength and nutrition you guys were so good at being able to put weight on the Peter brothers to put on Wistrom to put weight on Neil I mean it was the right weight they were big enough to play big boy football but it didn't hurt their athleticism coach
5: Right. Well, he weighed when he when he was weighed. Again, I I can remember he weighed 200 and 262 Mm -hmm. uh, when he and and if I'm not mistaken, he ran a a 446 in the 40. (laughs) So you know he he could motor. And of course, the guy playing next to him, Broderick Thomas, wasn't bad. (laughs) So you know the two of them together was. They were dangerous. I mean, they really were, and um, you know, they were fun to be around too. They were, you know, great people, and and you know, it was a uh, it was a lot of a lot of fun being around them. And Neil still is one of those guys that's really loyal. You see him once in a while. He's still down in the Kansas City area and comes up to a lot of the games and stuff like that. And, and you know, he's still a, a big Husker fan.
2: Coach, you've told us a couple times before that you'd rather have a guy either, say, move positions when they get to Nebraska, or maybe they're coming from a small school where they had to do some different things, just because there's less bad habits you have to break in terms of their technique. You get to kind of build from the ground up. Is it similar with with the strength and conditioning aspect as well? Would you rather have a guy that's 6'4", 6'5", and maybe a little bit skinny needs to fill out, or or would you rather have that guy that's uh, already kind of filled out, but maybe there's some things you need to tweak in how his strength and conditioning regimen is conducted?
5: Well, I think, you know, when you get a guy that's pretty lean and mean type of guy, you know, you you have a, a great chance of really putting some solid weight on him. Usually if you get a guy that's too, you know, needs to lose weight, of course there are those guys too that come in and, you know, they're too heavy. I mean, they're too big. And they need to get the weight down to be able to, you know, really move around and, and have the flexibility that you need to have to play defensively. Uh, so when when you look at a when you look at a player and i don 't care whether he goes to a big school or small school I really try to try to stay away from that everybody you know if he's a if he's a great player that you know everybody in the world's after it 's not hard to figure figure out you know why he's good you know but a lot of these guys that play an eight man and stuff like that you know, you don't know exactly where they're going to play. You just know their heart's in the right place and um, that you're going to have to find a place for them. Uh, and you can't pass them up. I know we've taken guys in in the state of Nebraska when we did. We had, we weren't sure where we were going to play them exactly, whether they were offense or defensive guys. And I had guys that started out on offense and ended up playing defense and vice versa. And you know they moved from one side of the ball to the other, and um, so it was—it was it a—you was, uh, know—it was the kind of thing as it was really how, what kind of an athlete, and what kind of you know flexibility and speed they had, and instincts and things like that. And uh, you know those were the important things I think when you really look at a player. There's a lot of guys that don't get a chance to play big-time football that are big-time players.
1: Coach, I want to talk to you about uh, Ireland and Northwestern, and Nebraska is going to be on that stage for Week Zero for a second year in a row. And uh, there's a number of guys that that are back that remember how it didn't go so well against Illinois, and a chance, uh, albeit across the pond over in Ireland, to uh, get off on the right foot. You guys played a number of of specialty games to start the season when you coached. And I I think of the Coca-Cola Bowl. That was in Japan, but that was at the end of the year. But you did a lot of kickoff classics. You did one against Penn State. You did one against a really good A&M team. And then you also had one against West Virginia. Did you feel extra pressure with the, the stage Uh, and and kind of being the the opener for all of college football did you did your kids feel it or did you look at it as fun and and, and being ready uh, for the moment
5: we went we looked for it as a probably as an experience thing I think a lot of times you look at the other team and I think a couple of times we were probably uh we played Penn State one year and they were actually when I, I we went into the game i felt like they were at a disadvantage they had two real good quarterbacks mm-hmm. and they couldn't decide who was the best quarterback and so they were going to play both of them, and you know the score ended up 44 to 7 or something you know they didn't they didn't fare too well with it but but the thing that happens is is you know in those games i think it's really good experience cuz if you know you're a pretty good football team uh, you know, in all of those cases, that were, the teams that we played, um, you know, were really, really good football teams. And and it, we felt it, like, added to the, if you win the game, it, it gives your kids a lot of momentum going into the season and a lot of confidence in themselves. And we were fortunate in, in those games to, to come out on top and, and, and we were yet playing some top teams in the country, and I think that showed a lot. And I and I think that's the same thing. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, you take some of these teams that that, that aren't built way up there, Buffalo maybe in Fordham, but you know, it's hard to get a game. Yeah. You know, but it also has an advantage to them and. Uh, you know, they make more money probably in one game almost than they make during the year at home. <laughs> so it's kind of a charity thing almost in some cases, you think. But, um, but again, you're playing a game, and you're playing against other teams. And uh, I remember we played New Mexico State or something at halftime. We had 40 points or 50 points or something. And we were – it's a hard thing to go in at halftime and figure how not to score. <laughs> and I think you know, uh, you know, because you, everybody says we'll play Nebraska. Well, yeah, your second team guys want to be first team guys. You put those guys on the field, and they're dangerous. Right? <laughs> and their second and third team guys are going to play like heck to, to, to improve their positions. So you're not really getting a, a good deal when you came came to Nebraska to play as a smaller school. Uh, of course, we had our bumps along the way, but uh, it was, you know, and most of the time we were, we used those games as, a you know, kind of a fortunate thing. Now, when the conferences are going to get heavier, and pretty soon they won't be playing any of those little LB conference games.
2: Yeah. Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Charlie, in Dublin, Nebraska taking on Northwestern, obviously, but they're also going to be doing some things that would be more uh resembling a a bowl week of preparation where they get to go out and see some sightseeing in the city of dublin and and across ireland they're uh doing some restaurants and and whatnot and i just want to ask you how do you keep your team focused through that whenever you're still trying to get a week of preparation and on top of that i mean this is the first week of, of their season and everyone's college football season how do you keep their eyes focused on the game and not this cool experience of going to dublin and getting to see things
5: Well, I have the experience of knowing the the head coach at Northwestern since he was in high school, and I'll promise you they'll be ready to play. And I think if you instill the fact that this isn't going to be brownies and fairies when they go over there, you know, even though last year was one thing, you know, was a a pretty easy game with them, but I don't think it's going to be that way this year. And to go over there is, is, you know, a monumental thing. It's how, how the players adjust to, to, you know, to the crowds, to, the, to, to their practice facilities. And We played over in Japan, Kansas State one year, and they had the field. They didn't have a football field. We used a baseball field, and they put tape down to, for the lines, white tape, <laughs> <was the> field, <laughs> and that's about what we practiced on. So you know you have to you have to go with the flow kind of a little bit. I'm sure that they'll have a better situation over in Ireland than than we had when we went to Tokyo. But um, it's a it's a tough thing. Yeah, but your players, I think that the attitude of the team right now, and being kind of down and only winning three games last year, there's a lot of kids that have some goals set in their own minds what they want to do. And I think it's I don't think you're going to find. I'll be surprised if 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 Nebraska doesn't, you know, really pour the coals to somebody. I mean, whether it's win or lose, they'll play well. I think they'll play really well.
1: Well, they had a chance to experience that week zero a year ago, and they uh, they have big things in mind for 2022. That's for sure. That's Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie. Coach, enjoy your week. Stay cool i uh, got some
5: players coming up this week, the Keneally and Pat Engelbert. And I think the Gweger brothers are coming oh, for a wow. day. And they're going to probably go in and watch the Cubs after that the next day. So, But they're going to come out. I'll, I'll fix them up, and give them My some be- food, make fat and ugly.
1: Make them fat and ugly. <laughs> <make them> fat. <laughs> well, don't let them throw you in the lake, all right? Oh, <laughs> well, they'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, you take care and uh,
6: enjoy okay. your time.
5: Okay, thanks for having me.
6: Bye now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: Allstate, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is dougness or duder or, you know, don't if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio.
1: Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We check in with Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore joins us. And can catch Jay, of course, uh, big red wrap-up during the season. Jay Bird, how far and straight did you hit him this weekend? (laughs)
7: Uh, I hit him far and straight one day and then short and crooked the next. So that's golf.
1: Yeah, it is. There's a joke in there somewhere, but we're going to leave that one be. Uh,
7: yeah, mm-hmm. uh, a little innuendo there.
1: Yes, yes, a little dumb and dumber. Um, there we go. Mm-hmm. But no good. You were out on the links. I, 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 uh, I abstained from from the golf course this weekend after uh, a, a bad putting performance uh, around the Fourth of July. But we'll move on about my golf game and want to get your take on Ashley Williams, six six defensive end out of. Louisiana, three-star, uh, uh, kind of an edge guy. And what's uh, what's your take? What's your take on film? And, and what's your thoughts uh, getting a kid out of SEC country?
7: Yeah, it's always good to get talent from down there and just kind of get your footprint. And we've had a decent footprint down there um, in the last you know, four or five years. Ever really since uh, we've had a decent, you know, just thinking of guys that I played with from down there, like Lakeven Smith in Georgia, you know, Barry Cryer was from Louisiana. So we've had our we had some history of getting, obviously, really good players out of some SEC country. But, yeah, I was able to get on huddle and, and watch a few of his highlights. And, you know, he's a supremely athletic kid. He, need, he's gonna, he has a big frame. Uh, his, his upside is, you know, is really high. He's going to need to put on about 30, 40 pounds, you know, I don't know what his weight is. He looks – he's very tall and long. You know, I don't want to label or put the tag on, on someone because I, I don't feel like that's fair to a, to a young kid. But the way he's built, and if he is, would get to 30, you know, 40, maybe even 50 more pounds, I think he has that kind of frame. He would remind me of a Randy Gregory. That's just kind of his build. That's, he has the range. He has athleticism. You know, I didn't get see in his highlights. Uh, it was more of him just kind of geez, just being more athletic than the offensive lineman or a tight end he was going against. I didn't get to see him, you know, go set the edge against the run, so I don't know how well his technique is there. That's why I think he's, he's more raw. That's going to have to get developed, and he's going to have to get bigger and stronger to be able to play in the Big Ten uh, at that position and have the strength and, and the durability to be able to do that. But he's supreme athletic. You know, very rangy, chases down QBs. So he possesses all the tools. That's what you want. I mean, first and foremost, you want you want the God-given talent, right? You want the athleticism. You want the length. You want the stuff that you you really just can't develop a ton in in four or five years when he's at Nebraska. So he has what you need, and now he can kind of be you know a you know a, a clay mold for for Duval and all those guys, or you can just kind of mold them into to what you want. And, and put those 30 to 40 pounds on him and, and teach him the right techniques to set the edge in the Big Ten, and you know, he'll be a, he will be—he should be a good player.
1: Looking at his film, you look at Ed Williams, and his insti- instincts are, are, are pretty high level, really good motor. And of his 89 tackles, I mean, 22 of those were for a loss. And to your point, he's just able to, to get around tackles or tight ends or whoever's supposed to block him because of his his athleticism. He's going to have to figure out a way and a technique to to, when he takes on blockers on the edge in the Big Ten to, well, frankly, uh, figure it out, right? You're not going to necessarily overmatch, but uh, his his instincts are are high level. And I want to ask you, when you came into Nebraska, you know, Nebraska's been really pretty good historically about being able to pinpoint size, weight on a player, and then project them and develop them on top of the talent you come come in with and then obviously develop your talent. What 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 amount of weight did you put on, and what was kind of that sweet spot for you when you felt great but you were heavier and you were able to – to bring your body along to play at college ball, to go after, get to get after the quarterback, because you're, I mean, your rep at Nebraska was hard nosed, but also you were a guy that got after the quarterback.
7: Yeah, I think I arrived at Nebraska around 2:45, 2:50. Oh wow! I think my 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 senior year, I was I played. It's my senior high school. I was around 2:40. So I, I need to get bigger and stronger. You know, I was coming off my an ACL injury, an MCL injury, uh, my senior high school. So that that took, you know, there was there wasn't a whole lot I could do for, you know, about you know five six months. So I, I kind of had to get back in the gym again, and you know, because you're focused so much on your rehab. And then mm-hmm. was able to play in the Shrine Bowl that summer, which, you know, back then it was it was late in the summer, you know, late July maybe in early August if I remember correctly. And so I arrived at camp, you know, about 250, maybe 255. I honestly, I, I can't remember. But I think about every, every year I put on 10 pounds, and it was just 10 pounds of, of good weight. You know, I think, if I remember correctly, you know, my sophomore year, once I really started playing uh, you know, every down, I wanted to say I was 265. You know, then my junior year, I was 275. and My senior year, I played at 280, and that 275-280 was a really good mark for me because my strength, the lighter, the heavier I was, the stronger I was, which was was good. I wasn't um, super strong upper body-wise. I had to play with really good pad level and and technique. I wasn't a freak of nature like Adam Carriker was or some of the other guys that just could bench press like 405 like five times. So – I had to, you know, really lean on my, my uh, weight that helped me keep me strong Mm -hmm. at the point of attack, but I could also move at that weight. I was, you know, I was able to, you know, run in the, you know, four, high four sevens in the 40 at that weight. So I was able to move and still be agile and still be strong. So that 275, 280 mark was, was about the perfect spot for me. And they never really gave me, you know, we need you at this weight. I just kind of Followed the program, tried to lift as much every, t- every day. I was in the weight room, run as hard every time we were on the field and, and doing those things, and, and try to eat about as well as you can as a, as a college kid could. So, and it just kind of that's just what I ended up at, and that's kind of what I, I felt that I was, you know, I, that was my optimal, you know, body weight.
2: Tell me, Jay, was it easier to put that weight on during the college years, or was it easier to, to lose the weight post playing career?
7: You know, it was it was hard for me to keep that weight on. I had to eat a lot. I mean, I'm talking a lot cuz you during the season and in the it was easy to keep it on during winter conditioning cuz you're lifting so heavy and you're only doing you you were only running twice a week and it was just speed stuff. So it wasn't long, arduous like uh conditioning stuff like you had in the summer on you know on the field turf when it's 120 and you're just sweating, you know, just you're dripping wet all day long when you're out there. So um it was definitely uh, harder, yeah. During during the season and during the summer, I I, I could eat whatever I want, and there would be days I, you know, I would lose ten pounds, you know, just probably majority of it in water weight, especially during training camp and during after a practice, you know, just like that. And it, you just I couldn't eat and drink enough during during the season, so it was it was kind of a blessing. <laughs> it was a, kind of a nice thing at times, but uh, yeah, later after I was kind of done, it was definitely easier to lose it. You know, I think my you know, now I'm probably. You know, still up. I've I've gained a few lbs thanks to uh, some Coors Light and uh, not the best of diet. But uh, you know, back back in uh, back in the day, I was able to get back down to 250 no problem. But I have, I will say, I have began to work out a little more and and put a little more muscle mass on than than that, that I've carried in the last couple couple years just to keep my energy up and and uh, it just makes my body feel better, my back and it's some of the issues that uh, I'm dealing with right now. Uh, so it was. I could lose it, but uh, it was definitely a challenge for me to to keep it off to, to keep it on during the season.
1: Jay Moore is with us. Few minutes. Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, the the new designation for the Nebraska defense, and it's not it's new for for this season, but it's it's a position that that you played, that Adam played, that edge spot. And I think back to when Nebraska made the switch over to the four three. Yeah, technically, you had guys like Broderick and Mike Kroll and Trev Alberts that were linebackers, but their hand was in the dirt a lot. <laughs> okay, they weren't they weren't stand up. But uh, you know, when you think of that edge position, uh, we just talked about Williams. I don't think we talked to you since Mav Noonan uh, committed. Maybe we did, but that that's a nice one-two punch in this recruiting class. What's your take on? Nebraska's momentum, there's a hundred different takes on uh, this upcoming season and whether you're hot or cold on how it'll shake out, but what does the recruiting momentum speak to you about with this staff?
7: I think you just kind of get some fresh, you know, with the changes in the staff, some fresh faces, uh, some fresh voices, you know, you get uh, guys who maybe got their hunger, or you know what, and to be honest, Mm -hmm. Nothing's guaranteed after this season, so I think the coaches are kind of feeling a little more heat, obviously, and, and they should. You know, if they don't perform this, you know, well this year, I I can't foresee Trev Alberts, you know, keeping Scott around. So I, I think that that there's a little more pressure put on these guys to go out there and, and put a little forth, a little more effort to get to get to where they you should be. And I'm not saying it's you know national championships, the Big Ten championships. Remember, we're just talking seven, eight, nine wins consistently and not this, you know, three to five stuff that we've, we've gotten the last handful of years. So there's, there's some of that, but I do think, yes, new energy. I think getting Bill Bush back in the office is, is really good. The guy has tons of energy. He loves this place. He's a Nebraska guy. I'm a big fan of Bill Bush because he was, you know, he was a special teams coach and a safeties coach when I was there. And just getting some younger guys, some fresh faces, man, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. So I think that's 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 part of it. You need to keep it going. I, you know, the recruiting is one thing. It seems like to me, you know, we recruiting is it's it's a year round. It's always been year round, but it's definitely now year round in in the summer with with the camps and Friday Night Lights, and now they can take official visits in the summer and. And so uh, that helps kind of get that momentum going a little more. You're able to get some kids in here you might not be able to because you can't. You know, they're playing a 5 o'clock or a 7 o'clock game on Friday, and Nebraska's playing at 11 a.m. So it's just hard to the logistics of it all. So I think that helps as well. But it's, I just I just think they're just feeling a little more heat, and uh, you got some new faces in there, and they're just, they got to win some more football games, but it's just recruiting. You know, I don't know how many of these guys they've gotten so far are going to be, you know, day, day one guys when they come into play. You know, you got to develop them, and, and hopefully. The, the staff figured out, figured, figures this thing out to where we have some consistency with the staff, so where they can develop these guys. And you know, you're not trying to get day one guys because those are those guys go to Alabama and Georgia and Clemson every year, and Ohio State and maybe even Oklahoma. So we got to develop some uh, better consistency. That you know, that will come up the wins. But it's nice to get some sort of momentum going. But you know, I, I'll take. Uh, You know, let's start with beat Northwestern first. Now we'll really get the good
1: momentum going. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. Fellas,
1: think we could listen to the radio listen?
0: On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's
1: awesome! Jay, a thought from you, and, and I don't know that you went through this at nebraska during your time but but guys and teammates of yours right after you left i remember joe gans and sam keller and, and sam ended up getting that job i ask that because of this year's quarterback race with thompson and purdy and, and smothers do you worry about a fair competition
7: i don't think so i i think this i guess kind of touched on earlier I, this, this team, these, this staff, has to find the best guy to win right now. They don't have, they don't have another two years. They've got to get the best guy. And then whatever, if that's Casey Thompson, uh, Purdy, Trevor Purdy, uh, Smothers, whoever it is, it's, it's got to be the best guy to operate what, uh, what the new OC wants going forward and what Scott wants in this team. They don't have it. I mean, you, they're 5-7 they're, they're and seven again. Everybody's out. You know, six and six. Good luck. You know, you better. You better have, be a good sweet talker to, to to Trev Albert. So I think you just got to get the best guy. I, I'm not concerned. I think that you're gonna have the best guy. I don't know who it's gonna be. Yet. I'm leaning probably Casey Thompson, but who knows? They got they got 30 some practices and in, in in August in training camp, and then you go to Ireland and we'll see. They if they, they don't. That one guy doesn't perform. You know, game one against against Northwestern. You probably might see a different guy because they got to find something that works this year. They don't have time to mess around anymore, and, and uh, sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that can be a, a bad thing. You start trying to switch up too much, but I, I don't have any concern that they're going to struggle. You know, I don't think politics are going to have too much to do with it this year. You just, they don't have enough time to deal with that junk.
2: Jay, when you say the, the, the best guy is going to win the job, does that mean specifically what he can do with the ball in his hands, or is that also referring to, say, a guy's leadership and how, how he commands a field?
7: Well, that's one thing, but to me, it's taking care of the football. That's, that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing. And that was one of the knocks against Adrian that he, he had troubles protecting the ball in the pocket. And when he ran, he had his issues. So that's, but that's taking care of the football, making the right choices, making the high percentage choices, knowing when to get rid of it, when you, you're, you're supposed to get rid of it, live to fight another down type stuff. Don't force it. And you know, i you know who's who has the best mobility within the pocket, and really who, who's who's able to operate this the the new offense, you know, the most efficiently way possible. And I think leadership is something to do with that. I I you have to be you have to have some strong leadership uh, characteristics to be an offense, you know to be to be the quarterback of individual in football. But I don't think it's it's the it's the greatest. You know, I don't think it's the, the most important thing. I mean, Zach Taylor, great quarterback. He wasn't a huge rah rah, get in your face type guy. He was more of a leadership by example. You know, he can he communicated well, but he wasn't uh, you know a bang your head against a locker type guy. He was very calm and cool under pressure. And I think that's what you got to kind of lead to a guy that can communicate with the coaches, communicate with the players, tell them exactly what they see, have a firm grasp of the playbook. So when things aren't going well, you got to be like, hey man, you were supposed to cut in and you went out, and this was a cover six. Like you got to cut in. and at, you know, at whatever at the hash, and you you broke it out. You got to look at that. You got to know that, and that kind of that kind of leadership there is just full command of everything, and it, you're able to communicate all across the board, everyone to kind of make sure everyone's operating as as efficiently as possible.
1: Jay, we'll get you out on this British Open this weekend. You've got Tiger, Rory, you've got the live members, and oh yeah, it's St Andrews. I know Tiger's eyeing a, a better finish. Then he's had, uh, what do you make of this year's Open?
7: It's going to be good. Anytime you get Tiger back playing, it's, it's awesome. You know, obviously we'd love to see him at U.S. Open, but you can tell he was hurting at the PGA. So, it's, you know, that's the nice thing about St. Andrews. It's his favorite place. He's won there a couple times, and it's a really easy, it's an easy walk, flat golf course. Length isn't going to be a huge issue. You know, you're going to have – the place is going to be firm and fast. This is about control. Probably hit more irons off the tee. Just understanding how each hole plays with the wind and all the pot bunkers you kind of get out there on that on the inward and outward nines that they have at uh, St Andrews. So it's going to be good. And I love just getting up the morning. I'm already a morning person. Usually I'm up by 5 a.m. But now I get to get up with some coffee and have Major Championship golf on. This is this is uh, this is going to be a good week.
1: How do you think Rory performs?
7: I don't know. You, I don't think, technically, uh, the one British he opened, he won. I, I don't remember the weather, but te- in history, Rory performs very well at soft golf courses because he's able to, he carries it further than anyone. Uh, one of the the best driver of the golf ball right now, and maybe in all of history of golf, in his ability to carry it when it's wet, he just has, he's able to, you know, almost Play two, two to three clubs less sometimes in the holes than some guys have. So I just don't think that's a huge, as big a factor this week just because how firm and fast it is. I don't know what the weather is. They could get some rain, who knows? But I just don't think that's going to be his, his deal. I just think you're going to look at guys who have control of, of their ball and can keep it out of those pot bunkers because those pot bunkers are, are hazards. They're just, you're in and you, can't, you really can't get them onto the green. And, and two, you're, you're kind of just chipping out backwards or sideways and you're hoping you're just getting up and down from wherever from 150 out for par so i could i could see guys you know zach johnson's one there before he's not a long hitter you know so i think guys with supreme control of their golf ball depending on wind and conditions i think that's that's who you're gonna you know that's who's gonna be leading the leading sunday morning and you know Xander softly just won last last week and these type of conditions so look to him to perform well but this is there's gonna be It's going to be a big field. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that can can win this week.
1: Scotland's weather is not predictable. What they're saying today, winds of 15 to 20 miles per hour. They'll be steady out of the west and southwest, so it doesn't look like there's going to be that swirling wind off the North Sea. So there's my best Ken Shimmick for you if you're putting some money down. (laughs)
7: That was nice. Consistent
2: that was really good. 15 to 20 miles. That's just playing golf in Nebraska. There's sure, yeah. That's
1: a normal day. There's no North Sea to jack with, I can tell you that. <laughs> Jay Moore is with us, Blackshirt, Husker, NFL, or Jay Bird. Be good. Enjoy your golf. Thanks for the update today.
7: Yeah, be it. Thanks, fellas.
1: Got to love Jay Moore. Good thoughts from him on Williams on the quarterback race on uh, putting some weight on for uh, playing at the Division I level. Pretty good list of 2022 Nebraska Football Hall of Fame inductees. Rick Lindquist, a really good defensive back. Uh, one of my favorites growing up was Bruce Pickens. He went fourth overall to Atlanta in the 1991 draft, right behind Mike Kroll, who went third. And then this lineman was incredible. Uh, Tony Finoti, uh, Fanotti was uh, a great ball player for the Big Red at offensive guard. And then Prince Amukamara uh, gets inducted. Linebacker Lee Coons, uh, also part of the class, and uh, saw this list on Twitter. They ranked the top 100 high school players in 1995. And uh, in on that list was Tony Ortiz, Big time get it, linebacker for Nebraska Tony, part of the mid to late '90s uh, linebacking core, really good ball player. And then Amon Green was third on that list. If you were wondering, yeah, Randy Moss came in on that list. Peter Warwick, I mean, you had a you had a pretty good Charles Woodson, <laughs> uh, Kevin Falk uh, for Coach Donardo down at LSU. So. Uh, quite a quite a group of dudes from that uh, that nineteen ninety five high school uh, top one hundred. We'll uh, talk a little better. Call Saul when we get back to wind down a Monday at Hale Bar City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
6: Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Bar City. I am Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Bar City radio show podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr
0: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. We're going Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarcity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. <laughs>
1: we're down to 46 days and 17 hours till kickoff against Northwestern. We're down to about three and a half hours till season six, part two of Better Call Saul commences. How's it going to shake out for Saul? How's it going to shake out for Kim? Tomorrow, we'll recap episode one of season or part two of season six. Their dear friend Mike St. James, he is back for the Better Call Saul analysis. Mitch Sherman tomorrow, and the coach, Rick Kaczynski, will join us. Uh, good light up this week also. Scott Doctorman going to be with us this week. And uh, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, going to be in to talk some O-line. So what I don't get here is business standards reporting that – the final season uh, will be available also on Netflix. Simultaneously, it'll also be available on AMC and AMC+. So are they going to release the, the final, final six episodes ahead of time on Netflix? Would AMC do that? Does that make sense to you? I feel like
2: that means like whenever they screen it on AMC, that's like so. That's tomorrow,
1: the, episode one will be available yes. on Netflix. Okay, so I can't just skip to the finale. It doesn't sound. Well, I like can't it, no. binge watch all of the season tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, so are you caught up yet? Or yeah, not? I because, told you I would be because you, you you would go earmuffs a lot of times when St. James comes in to recap the episode.
2: Yeah, uh, it may just have to be spoiled for me this time around. I, I, I didn't take the time to get caught up. Instead, I spent my time... I've been reading a book. Great book. Um, it's from an actual, a Lincoln East grad. We can get into that in a second All if right. you want to. But I've also been watching uh, Stranger Things on Netflix, Terminal List on Amazon, and The Boys on Amazon as well. Okay. Those are my, my shows I've been trying to get through and just haven't gotten around to Better Call Saul yet.
1: Well, uh, they've been re-airing Breaking Bad because you're going to get your... Zone read, Mesh Point <laughs> with uh, Walter and Jesse Good with Saul. <laughs> we are sure. at some point here before it all goes to hell and goes south. You've made it through Breaking Bad, yes, of course. Carson's been binging the heck out of Better Call Saul because mm-hmm. he really likes it, and he's caught up. And unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to us, he was he was watching Breaking Bad and was able to chime in whenever my wife and I start talking about it. Back when it was going so i did make it through all the peaky blinders and i just gotta say i hope the movie that puts a a bow on peaky blinders is much better than the final season like the first episode of season six was good and the final episode was decent but there was just a lot of predictability in between which is unlike it Mm. i didn't see enough of alfie and i didn't see enough of of the older brother that got hooked on heroin, unfortunately. So there we go. But uh, we'll talk better. Call Saul tomorrow. Get the popcorn ready. Should be pretty good. Many thanks to Charlie McBride for joining us. Uh, must listen to with Charlie on demand ESPN Lincoln. We'll also have some SoundCloud up with Coach McBride, Erin Sorensen. Good stuff from her on the quarterback racer. Talk with Casey Thompson And, uh, of course, Jay Moore, Blackshirt, Husker NFLer on uh, Williams, on Ashley Williams, the new defensive end commit over the weekend podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating with Hale Varsity Radio.
2: A Huda Media Production.